Welcome back to the Finding True Health podcast. Blood sugar fluctuations can have a really big effect on our energy levels, our moods, and just our overall health. So today I'm going to give you several different tips and tricks for how to keep your blood sugar from becoming too erratic. We want a nice, stable, steady blood sugar throughout the day, and I'm going to give you some ways to help you with accomplishing that. I'm really excited to get going, so let's dive in. Are you ready to be done with diets, done trying to mold your body to fit unrealistic beauty standards? Do you want to create a healthy lifestyle simply to feel better and have more energy each day? Do you want to finally find food freedom? Hey, I'm Jenna, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Not long ago, I was an overwhelmed mom and struggled to make myself a priority. I hated my body and wondered how I could stop beating myself up every time I looked in the mirror. I also felt frustrated about my health and wished I could get myself to exercise consistently, eat more vegetables, eat less sugar, you know, actually do the things I knew could improve my mood and energy levels. But I kept telling myself I didn't have enough time or motivation or willpower or, well, you get the idea. But with some help from God, I was able to turn my health and life around. And I want to help you do the same. In this podcast, you'll find trustworthy nutrition information, critical mindset shifts, and actionable advice. So you can feel better, fill your life with sustainable, healthy behaviors, and be confident in your own skin, no matter your size. So if you're ready to make peace with chocolate, but love your salad too, this is the podcast for you. Hey friends, thanks for joining me today. I'm feeling a lot better this week. I mentioned last week that I'd had my surgery the week before. It's been not quite two weeks now, and... I'm still recovering, but I'm feeling much better. So I'm grateful for that and grateful that I can get this blood sugar podcast finally recorded. My listeners are mostly women who want to live a healthy lifestyle and they want to show love to their body through their thoughts and through their actions. But many of them are worried that the toxic world of diet culture is going to influence their efforts to become more healthy. And what ends up happening is when done through diet culture, those efforts often end up doing more damage than good to our health. So I like to say that I help people reject diet culture without rejecting their health. And today's episode dives into the health topic of blood sugar. And I'm going to be sharing some ways to help keep a healthy and stable blood sugar throughout the day to help serve your health. Now, diet culture uses this kind of information to emphasize and push weight loss. And it is true that stabilizing blood sugar might lead to some healthy weight loss or prevent future weight gain. That's great if it helps your health. But also keeping a stable blood sugar is much more personally for me about not adding too much stress to my body, to my pancreas, my other organs. It helps me keep more stable moods throughout the day and keep my energy up. And it just helps me simply feel better throughout the day when my blood sugar is more stable. So there's a lot of talk about blood sugar these days, and it really is for good reason. We're realizing more and more how much our blood sugar patterns affect our health, both positively, like I mentioned, and also negatively. Some of the dangers of having more of an erratic blood sugar throughout the day is that it can lead to insulin resistance, which can turn into type 2 diabetes. It's often the cause of storing more fat on our body than is healthy for us. It can result in having energy crashes and mood swings and just a variety of issues. 
So you may have heard before, an ideal blood sugar pattern, if you will, kind of looks like rolling hills. You start feeling hungry, you eat something, your blood sugar goes up slowly, hopefully, because you've eaten a variety of macronutrients. You've had some protein and some fat and some carbohydrates, and the combination of those are going to be digested at a healthy rate. So your blood sugar slowly goes up as those nutrients are being broken down and taken into your bloodstream. And then your body releases insulin, and that insulin helps take that sugar then into your cells to be used as energy. And so then your blood sugar is going to slowly start coming down. Once it gets low enough, you're going to start feeling hungry again. And so ideally, you eat another healthy, balanced meal again. And so your blood sugar slowly goes up, and and then it comes down slowly. And you've got this kind of rolling hill effect. Now, an erratic blood sugar shift chart would look more like maybe a roller coaster where maybe you're just eating some simple carbs to help satisfy your hunger and you don't have some protein or fat along with those carbohydrates and so your blood sugar shoots up really fast, your body gets stressed out, sends out a bunch of insulin to help take care of the blood sugar increase and then you drop quite suddenly and we refer to that as having a blood sugar crash. And then you might feel really hungry again and do the same thing. On the other end, with this kind of low carb craze I've been seeing going on, sometimes an unhealthy blood sugar chart might not look like that that roller coaster. It might look like it might look more like your blood sugar never gets up really high because you aren't eating carbohydrates. You're only maybe eating a bunch of protein and fat, and so your blood sugar never rises very high, and maybe you never really feel satiated. You might start getting hungry sooner. You might start having really strong cravings for simple carbohydrates like sugar and white flour because your body is trying to get that blood sugar level to go up and get some quick energy in its cells. So that's just kind of a basic rudimentary description of what different blood sugar shifts might look like in our bodies based on what we eat. Now, a couple of important points I want to make before we dive into my tips is that blood sugar shifts are complex. I gave you kind of a general idea of what happens, but there are lots of factors that go into determining blood sugar shifts, not just what you eat. Of course, food and exercise play a big role in them, but so do hormones and genetics and our psychology, our our emotions. For example, something kind of crazy is just getting a sunburn can cause your blood sugar to go up because of the stress that that sunburn puts on your body. Stress increases blood sugar levels. My son has type 1 diabetes, and so he's constantly monitoring his blood sugar, of course. And there are times when we just can't figure out what's going on. There are times when it seems like his blood sugar should be going up, but it's coming down. And other times when logically we would expect his blood sugar to come down, but it's going up. So this isn't a cut and dry thing. And of course, quote, normal or typical blood sugar shifts are going to look differently for someone with diabetes or insulin resistance than someone without. But with both groups, with everybody, there there are definite trends with blood sugar that tend to happen much of the time. And the tips I'm going to be going over are, more often than not, going to result in more stable, healthy blood sugar shifts and allow you to get more of those rolling hills than the roller coasters or the kind of more flat lines. Now, the other second important point I want to make before diving in is I do not want you to turn these tips into food rules. 
Use them as guidelines. You can go back and listen to episode 62 to learn my take on the difference between rules and guidelines. I think health information like this is really useful and valuable in helping us to make good choices and take care of our bodies. But particularly for those of you who come from a history of chronic dieting, maybe even disordered eating, you've got to really tread lightly with guidelines like this and make sure that you are not making them black and white. You aren't turning them into hard and fast food rules. So with that being said, let's dive into these 10 tips. The first one is an obvious one. It is to try your best not to eat large amounts of simple or refined carbohydrates in one sitting. So these are foods high in white flour or sugar. They are absorbed very quickly into the bloodstream. Like I mentioned, with the roller coaster, they spike the blood sugar fast because they're absorbed so quickly. Insulin is released. You get the crash. And having this happen in our bodies once in a while is no big deal. But if this is happening over and over, then this can often lead to that insulin resistance that I talked about. Now, smaller portions of these kinds of foods eaten here and there are not going to have a huge effect on your blood sugar. They're going to rise it a little bit, but it's really the quantity and the frequency that can cause issues. I know that this tip is often easier said than done. There are lots and lots of, lots of factors that may be contributing to overdoing it on these types of foods that will cause big spikes in blood sugar. One of the main objectives of my Health Through Habits online course is to help women create a lifestyle and a mindset that helps them feel much more in control of food in general and makes it so much easier not to overdo it on these kinds of foods just naturally. Now, of course, this is not an overnight fix, but it's definitely possible to have a healthy, peaceful relationship with food, including with these high-carbohydrate, high-sugar, blood-spiking fun foods. All right, the second tip is to eat high-fiber foods before you eat the high-carbohydrate foods in your meal. This is just going to help slow the digestion of the food. Having that fiber in there first, it helps slow the release of sugar into the bloodstream And this is particularly why eating high-fiber carbohydrates, such as whole grains and brown rice, etc., help reduce those blood sugar spikes because you've got the fiber along with the carbohydrates. But if you happen to have, say, a white roll or some sort of carbohydrate-spiking food in your meal, maybe just wait until you've had a couple of other foods first and then have that roll a little bit later on in the meal. That's just going to, again, help slow the release of that white flour into your bloodstream. This is one reason that it generally is best to save very high carbohydrate foods such as dessert for the end of the meal as well. The third tip kind of goes along with that as well. and It's to eat carbohydrates together with fat and protein in the same meal. Ideally all three, but at least trying to get two of the three macronutrients in each meal is better than having a meal with purely carbohydrates. So again, this is the same idea as with the fiber, the fat, the protein are digested slower than the carbohydrates and they're going to help slow the rise of blood sugar. Okay, my fourth tip for keeping a stable blood sugar is to not eat too late at night. I used to think that it really didn't matter when you ate 
food. It was all digested the same way. But that's not always the case. If you take the exact same meal, the same number of carbohydrates and other macronutrients and calories, etc., and eat that meal late at night as opposed to earlier in the evening or earlier in the day, it's very likely going to result in a higher blood sugar spike than it would have if you eat it earlier. There are other reasons I don't recommend eating late at night as well. It can interfere with your sleep. It doesn't give your body and your digestive system time to rest and recover. So I do think it's best to stop eating a few hours before you go to bed. And the effect we see on blood sugar when eating late at night is one of those reasons I recommend that. Now, if you are interested in learning more about intuitive nighttime eating, I have a whole episode on that, episode number 42, that kind of dives into that topic a little more if you want to go back and listen to that. All right, my fifth tip is to get enough sleep, but not too much. Both of these have been associated with poor blood sugar control. I mentioned earlier that hormones play a big role in blood sugar control, and messing with sleep is one of the fastest ways to throw our hormones completely out of whack, which is going to mess with blood sugar control. There have been lots of studies that show even just having one bad night of sleep can affect your hunger and fullness and digestive hormones quite a bit the next day. And we have to remember that it's not just quantity, it's also the quality of sleep that matters. You need to get enough quantity, you're generally seven to eight hours, but also trying to make that as good quality of sleep as possible. And once again, I, I don't want to dive too much into this. You can go back and listen to episode number 32 on habits to improve sleep if you'd like more help in that area. All right, tip number six, and this is one that I feel like I personally am constantly working on. It is to slow down when eating. We all know that we need to do this. My guess is many of us are not doing this because we're just busy and we've gotten into the habit of eating quickly. But slowing down really gives our bodies time to digest our meal more slowly so that those carbohydrates are broken down more slowly, they enter the bloodstream more slowly, and thus raise our blood sugar more slowly. So it's a habit I am going to continue working on. Really taking time to slow down while eating is an important one for blood sugar. Tip number seven is to go for a post-meal walk within a couple of hours after you've eaten, particularly if you've eaten a big meal or a really high-carbohydrate meal. Now, again, this doesn't have to be right after you eat, just within a couple of hours, and it doesn't have to be a long walk. It doesn't have to be super intense, just a 15 to 30 minute walk around the block. Keeping a moderate pace is sufficient. You don't have to get your heart pumping quickly or get your muscles burning. Just going for a nice walk, and this is going to really help keep any blood sugar spikes from going too high. What happens is your muscles are going to use up that glucose as you're walking instead of relying on insulin to come and handle it. So you're kind of just giving your body a little less work to do. I actually recently started this habit of taking a walk around the block after we've cleaned up dinner, and I have been loving it. I'm not able to go every night, and of course, since I've had my recent surgery, I haven't been able to go much at all, and I've really been missing them. But it's just been a nice way to kind of unwind at the end of the day. I usually take our dogs out with me. And so we've had fewer accidents around the house because they have a chance to go to the bathroom. 
even though they have a doggy door and they can get out to the bathroom at night, sometimes they get lazy and don't want to go out on their own. So anyway, I've really enjoyed those walks for multiple reasons, but it's also a great way to help keep blood sugar stable after a big meal. All right, tip number eight is to stay hydrated. When you become dehydrated, then the amount of water in your bloodstream decreases, which means that once you get glucose or the sugar from carbohydrates in your bloodstream, then it's going to be more concentrated. So on the other hand, having a lot of water in the bloodstream helps dilute that sugar. It also is going to help your kidneys flush out any excess sugar. So staying hydrated is, of course, great for our bodies in many ways, but helping stabilize blood sugar is one of those ways. All right, we're on to tip number nine. Many people think that you should stay away from foods like white rice and potatoes and pasta because they are high in carbohydrates and tend to raise our blood sugar quickly. But you have to remember that These foods are usually eaten with other foods high in protein and fat. I don't know very many people who are just eating straight potatoes or just plain pasta. We usually have them within a meal that includes other macronutrients. And as we discussed, that is going to help slow that carbohydrate digestion. But there are some things that we can do with those foods to limit the rise in blood sugar even more when we eat them. So one thing I like to do when cooking rice, again, particularly white rice, which tends to be digested quite quickly, I add just a little bit of coconut oil while I'm cooking the rice, and this just kind of helps bind some of the carbohydrates so they don't all get released into the bloodstream. Another thing to do with rice, and you can do this with potatoes and pasta as well, is that you cook it, you let it cool, and then you reheat it before you eat it. Cooling it and then reheating it helps increase the amount of resistant starch within those foods. And resistant starches are not digested as readily as non-resistant starches, so they're not going to spike that blood sugar as much. Now, I have to say, if I'm making rice or pasta or potatoes for dinner, I don't always go through the effort of cooking them, then cooling them, then reheating them for that dinner, Usually we'll eat that warm food if I cooked it right before dinner, but I always try to make extra so that the next day or later on in the week, I can use them for lunch or use them in another dinner later on, and we get the benefits of having those high-carbohydrate foods that have been cooled and now have more resistant starch in them. Okay, and we have made it to tip number 10, which is to not skip meals, particularly breakfast. Skipping breakfast, going without that morning meal, has been shown to increase blood sugar spikes, make them go higher after both lunch and dinner later in the day. So again, you might eat the exact same meal, but if you have had breakfast earlier, then your blood sugar is not going to spike as high as if you skipped breakfast. Also, skipping meals often makes you more likely to overdo it at your next meal because you're in this state of kind of ravenous hunger, which means you're likely going to raise blood sugar a lot higher because you're eating more food in one sitting. So you know me, I'm always touting getting regular meals throughout the day, keeping your body fueled, and the help it's going to be to your blood sugar is just one more reason for that. So those are my 10 tips. Really quickly, once again, I'll read through them. 
They are to not eat large amounts of simple or refined carbohydrates in one sitting, eat high fiber foods before eating high carbohydrate foods at a meal, eat carbohydrates together with fat and protein, don't eat too late at night, get enough sleep, slow down while eating, go for a post-meal walk, particularly after you've had a really big meal or a high carbohydrate meal, stay hydrated, cook your starches with a little bit of oil, coconut oil or some other type of oil, and you can also cool them off and reheat them for later to increase the resistant starches in them, and then don't skip meals, particularly breakfast. As always, I recommend just choosing one or two of these tips to work on. Don't try to do all 10 at once. (laughs) Overwhelm yourself. Just pick something small that you can start working on this week and start turning it into a habit that is going to help you maintain healthier blood sugar shifts throughout your life. One more reminder, do not turn these into food rules. Do not use these suggestions as ways to beat yourself up when you don't do them. Don't shoot for perfection. Just use them as information to take one or two baby steps forward in creating a healthier lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a great one and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. If you'd like help implementing what we've talked about today more fully into your life, come check out my self-paced program at healththroughhabits.com. You'll use the science and tools of habit formation to help transform your health and your mindset so that you can enjoy finding true health for yourself. I hope to work with you soon.